0: Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit. Right then, can't mess about. Got another boxing up recording. Ah, Need to make some space, and maybe, maybe a few shillings could be up for grabs. I've got eight of these... uh, Compilation Commando For action and adventure comic books Big chunky things I've read Most of them Have I read most of them? Picked them up a while ago Well, it was some years back now My son enjoyed them We used to sit and read them together Haven't looked at them in a long time So, yep They're going in the box Next up Ragnarok, heavy metal combat in the Viking age. Tim Korkuleski, Korkuleski, butchered that. Osprey Games using something called the, Mo, the the Morpheus engine. It's a kind of vaguely supernaturalish Viking skirmish game. I think I've had it a couple of years. I don't think it's going to get to the table. Um, as is the way with Osprey. Super nice sewn binding. It's a, a funny sort of size. It, it's it got an RRP of £25. I don't think I paid that. But that, I can't see it getting to the table. Um, if I'm going to play a Viking game, I'm probably just going to use rules that I've already got, such as Dragon Rampant or something similar to that or uh, Blood Rage so that's going in the box now here's one I've deliberated over for a little while and it's Lamentations of the Flame Princess Ah, I really like the production on these books this is the hardback um, players core book and rules and magic but I picked it up to play in John Large's game. Unfortunately, we ended up playing um, Castles and Crusades instead of this. So this has never actually seen any use in anger. And uh, to be fair, I find the art a little bit objectionable. Um, Each to their own. But yeah, just for me, a little bit hard to stomach. Some of it is super gory. And I dunno, it's just not my jam. Um yeah. I've got no no actual problem with it, you know, I'm not gonna go to war over it, but no, nah, it kinda turns my stomach a little bit. <laughs> so uh yeah, there's some really great ideas in there as well and I mean I've got the free art um I've got the free PDF that's got none of the art and as far as I'm concerned that's a bonus uh, unfortunate but there you go I don't, I don't know and then I've got this other thing Lamentations of the Flame Princess it was a free RPG product Eldritch Cock uh, well that says it all really <laughs> uh, super long descriptions for a bunch of spells sometimes I think I don't know. I think old Raji... It, well... He tries a bit hard... He, he tries a bit hard to be an lord. I think, sometimes. Maybe that's just him. He's being himself. I don't know. But... It, not a lot of use to me as a family gamer, really. I don't need um, a rake of artwork with guys with, like, six-foot penises dragging about on the floor. Yeah. Enough said. Um... Then I've got this other one. This is from the Fate... uh Who is it now? Evil Hat Productions, that's it. Young Centurions. I kept this back. I purged some of my Fate books recently. And just to make space. I mean, this is quite a cool little book. But realistically, I just can't see myself getting round to playing it. I'm just too busy playing them hamburger and cornflakes type games. Uh you know, the the regular kind of D&D. Uh, then Fate Accelerated. Yeah, that goes with that, because no point in keeping it. Then I've got BX Essentials Core Rules. It was a kind of print-on-demand, super slim, little bit jinky set of Core Rules. Saddle. I should probably uh, check this out. I dare say it's collectible now. The price of uh, BX Essentials stuff, first edition, is already gone crazy. Uh, over 100 quid. Just, oh, I don't know, ridiculous prices. And then my old faithful copy of Dungeon World. I've played it one time at a con. Um. Some really good ideas in there, nothing I can't find elsewhere, taking up space on the shelf, maybe I'll put this on eBay, there's someone out there that will appreciate it and use it more than me, so that is also going in the box. And that concludes my boxing up session for today. And that's enough talk about games that have missed the mark. Now for games that we enjoy and we're jumping in the way back machine, picking up where we left off. It's part three with the GMologist himself, Mr. Carl Rodriguez. Now, talking of back in the day, I dabbled with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay when it first came out. Yeah, And I always thought it was... Very atmospheric. I like the vibe, but with our group, it it never really got the traction because it sort of just depended on who you was hanging about with. And and for a while, there was the guy who ran um, Warhammer. He he was a bit—he was a bit more of a loner. Uh, Interestingly enough, he was a big uh, American football fan. So we'd (laughs) sort of we'd we'd play Warhammer Fantasy, and then when everybody was getting a bit restless we'd take out uh, uh, his, uh, his pigskin um, football and go out over the fields and we'd sort of <laughs> try and play some sort of strange version of American football because it was on the telly at the time. It was on Channel 4 and uh, we could actually see the games. And, and this was in the time of the uh, the uh, Chicago Bears were massive and you had the um, the refrigerator, the fridge. He was the man yeah so it, it was back in them back days. the 80s yeah mm. but you have been um loving the latest edition i bounced off it a little bit but i'm interested what is it about uh this game that keeps you coming back for more but
1: honestly i think it's this particular group uh there are people who have played the warhammer fantasy battle warhammer 40k they're into the the gw verse lore uh, they love the old world, and I, they've bought in. Although that's that's only true for, like, three of the players. Two of the players, this is, like, one of the players is their first journey in, and the other player, it's the second time he's played, but the first time he feels he's played for real. Because in the other the other time we ran this, he kind of came in at the tail end and didn't get to make a proper character and see the career development. And he's really getting into it. I, I guess that's the appeal. It's, like, you really can... It's not a it's not a game where you're like a heroic off the bat. you could be a peasant, a villager, a, a peddler of spoons, a, a rat catcher, but you'll have a vicious dog if you're a rat catcher, which is cool so, mm-hmm. but you start you can you, for the most part, you start lowly and that's the that's kind of the demographic of the people of the time and I think maybe that's what people what what the appeal is you can start sure you'll have maybe someone, Who might get lucky and roll a noble or a knight, but for the most part, you're you start as a as a nobody, and that's part of the appeal, I think, at least to this group. Now you can, in the new rule set, you can either do everything random and you start off with bonus XP when you off the bat, or you can choose your choose your own fate, and uh, you probably start a little more powerful at the beginning, but you have less to work, you know, less XP to work with to improve your character. Right. So, so for example, we have a character who decided they wanted to make a wizard and he decided to make an elven wizard at that. So he, lo- he chooses his, his species and his, his occupation, um, which is a, a chunk of XP off the bat, you know, so, so you could do that in a new system, which I think makes it very versatile too, you know, for, for those people who want to min max and, and play something specific, they have a way to make a character for those who just want to roll randomly and ch- and let the fates decide. They have that, and and it's just I think the the game is just really written. There's something appealing about this sort of grim, dark. Yes, it, the world is serious. There's some serious shit going on, but sometimes it's just kind of funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's some humor, yeah. you know. Uh... Yeah. Well, Games Workshop is. Quite well known, especially back in the old days, for kind of having a, a typical sort of English or UK sense of humour. Uh, I think some people have attributed it to the politics of the day with Margaret Thatcher right. in charge of the country, and I, I, I think uh, I think some of the you know the, the student vibe that perhaps was Games Workshop were, were a bit more socialist and. Mm. Um, yeah, you know they're in the Midlands, in typical kind of like mining country and industrial kind of settings. So, yeah, it it, it comes across in like two thousand AD the comic as well. Yeah, all, all that that type of vibe, white dwarf. It gets talked about a lot, and I don't fully understand it because I was just a, a little bit too young to understand it at the time. But looking back, I can uh, I can see it. Maybe there's just like
1: a a cynicism or a fatalism that people just, you know, it's like one of those shrug your shoulders as a, you know, as a character, right. As a player, as a, not as a player necessarily, but as a character, you just shrug your shoulders and make the best of it. And there can be Mm -hmm. some funny moments along the way. And those intersperses of humor help, but I've had comments. I've had comments from players that it's not heroic enough, but I, I just, I definitely disagree. I mean, there's been some, some and I, some really cool heroic moments, last stands, last stands that are meaningful, right? <laughs> that right. you know, leaps off of exploding structures that you know you really need that a re, you would really need a low roll right now type of thing, and it happens. Mm. So
0: yeah, it's pretty, it's neat. You've jumped in with the big name uh, campaigns as well, haven't you? Like they, they, they are a shadow over. Bogenfell or whatever it is. Enemy within.
1: Yeah, the Enemy Within campaign, which is which was actually done way back in the first edition of the game and they've redone it. I feel like they've done it a couple times. Um but, I think but that's now right. this one is a this one is a, a recreation of the original for the fourth edition and it's done really well. I mean I I'm very I'm pretty impressed with it and it has a lot of playability within it that is not necessarily in line with the main plot too, which I think is which is great, you know, about it. And I and like I did with Invictus, I let the characters explore the world, and I think that's what's kind of cool and important. And we had this is a second we played a earlier campaign. Um, Terror and Talabheim, where Skaven, the rat folk in the world, explode from underneath the you know from the underground and take over the the city. But we started that that campaign with a a classic adventure, Rough Night at the Three Feathers, which originally appeared in White Dwarf, and it's like a it's like the movie Four Rooms. Like you sit there in a t- in a tavern in a coach a coaching inn in the world and you just kind of watch things happen and you can participate or not. Uh, the characters right. the characters participated in that adventure and it, it definitely benefited them. And but it was just it was it was a lot of hilarity that ensued because of their interaction, because of what was going on with all the different it's like multiple storylines are happening and they're mm-hmm. totally unrelated. The characters get involved with them so then they they mesh with each other so yeah, it, it, yeah yeah it, and it's it's pretty cool it, it's it's pretty cool how that how that happened and that's i think why at least one of the players you know who doesn't he doesn't this is the only game he plays he's not really a, an rpg or he's more of a tabletop miniatures guy and this is the only game he plays because he loves he loves how things work out <laughs> he loves the yeah. game a lot he really likes the game so that's you know I think that's cool. You know, it's the one person who this is the only game I play because I really like it. And there's something, something hilarious happens every time. <laughs> something dramatic too. Not, not all is hilarious. Something dramatic. Like I think this last time I talked about it recently in my podcast, this is a player that sort of dressed down another player for dabbling with chaos, you know? And it was, yeah. And he, like he, he, he had a really amazing monologue, right? Again, as someone who doesn't normally play RPGs getting in character. Which I think is a, a testament to the game and how well it works for some people. It's not everyone's, not everyone's cup of tea, right? Because, it, cause again, it's not you know you can combat, and maybe that's it, right? I think that's maybe combat is deadly. You can really have a bad day if
0: you are not cautious. I would definitely like to try it out again. It's been so long, and like I said, I I started to read it, but it's a big old rule book, and I I just sort of bounced off it a bit. I I've been attracted to the idea of the character generation that you you briefly explained and a lot like, it's definitely more flexible yeah in this game because
1: i have a guy who's i have a guy who started as a villager and then he because the opportunity arose he switched over to becoming a boat a boatman um now he's like a like a bosun like a, a he's gotten he's advanced in the boatman career but then he's like, he had an experience this last adventure where like, maybe I can become a warrior priest, you know, <laughs> so it's pretty, it's definitely more flexible than it has been in the past. It just, you know, you just kind of, it's not simple to understand, but once you understand it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes right.
0: sense, Yeah, for sure. Now t- talking about flexible games, uh, this brings me onto another one that I have read recently. And was most impressed with the way the book was put together. It, it seemed to have everything in a nice, concise package, and that is Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Is that what you're using to play your Deadlands game?
1: Right, I use that to play to run the Deadlands game, and yeah, I run a live Deadlands game with our our Sunday dinner group. I run a sporadic Deadlands game with the Audio Dungeon Discord group, and I also use Savage Worlds. I just started. a a friday night role play group um with some pretty famous people at least in the podcast world gaming world um of east texas university so so it's it's a it is a flexible system i it's, it's a really well put together the main rule book is really well put together and you don't need to buy these other things although they're very attractive right there's a savage savage pathfinder for example uh savage worlds rule set in the, in the pathfinder verse of galerion there's a savage riffs out there there's a savage flash gordon but you could just use the if you just have a a tail a, a simple well not a simple if you just have a a tail in mind it's pretty flexible to use in, in many and a lot of genres you don't have to buy like a world book
0: that was the impression i got it's it looks like it'll stand up well on its own you can it's like a it's a toolkit of yeah of stuff in there there's there's so many things and and loads of the ideas seem right. really suitable to cross over into other games um, and and that i I always find that useful right. and I yeah. mean you talked about it when you mentioned Invictus how you, were, you you had this idea of skill challenges coming in there and uh, and when you 're playing multiple games it's handy if you can mm-hmm. take th- the best bits that you like and repurpose them in into another game.
1: Yeah, like Savage Worlds has action cards mechanic um, that they use often uh, mainly for initiative and combat, but they use the action card sequence for, for chase scenes. They use the action card sequence for skill challenges. So you really get a lot of mileage off one kind of set of rules that can be pulled out and used for different situations, not just combat, not just your regular uh, skill. Once
0: again... Big thanks to Carl Rodriguez. I hope you enjoyed that. Unfortunately, next episode is going to be the final part, so tune in again from that one. But there is more coming from Carl. In this episode, we've got some feedback from the man himself and some other loyal supporters, members of the pit crew, in the form of Jason Connolly and Che Webster, coming up right now.
2: Hey Colin, thanks for publishing that interview. It was really fun to do. And I really like that you took out all the pauses and ums or whoever engineered it did a fantastic job. I sound, I sound pretty good. I sound professional. (laughs) So I appreciate that, uh, what you guys did and uh, to make this kind of come to life. Man, it's, I can't believe how long it's been since we ran that Call of Cthulhu Invictus campaign. Um, and it'd be neat to pick something up like that again. I think I'm focusing in on the War of the Roses period because it'd be very interesting to to have players like in as knights in shining armor, really, right, with the heavy plate, and see if uh see if that arms and armor of the that day helps against the mythos.
1: Hey, Colin. Jason here. Really enjoyed the update of what's going on with you before part two of Carl's interview. I It sounds like you're transitioned well, and, and you're really getting into it. And who knows?
2: Hopefully, like you say, you'll be able to bring a lot of these lessons over to your RPG time once you get back into that. But, yeah, it sounds really cool. It sounds like it's going to be a very fulfilling job for you, which is great. And I'm very happy for you, my friend. I, I really am. Okay, let me go listen to the interview.
0: Hey Colin, Che, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing the first part of that interview with Carl Rodriguez I uh, really enjoyed it, it was good fun to listen to and um, yeah I look forward to if there's any more listening to some more of that, that'd be great uh, Hope you're well, happy new year mate, game on A big thanks then to the guys, the pit crew there who've called in A big thanks to the rest of the pit crew who you know, throw a couple of dollars a month into the uh, spike pit Patreon, it's much appreciated and podcasters one and all they are too check out the geomologist for carl uh, the gemologist presents uh, you've got che Webster on roleplay rescue and of course jason Connolly on nerds rpg variety cast now i'm going to close out with a message from carl and This is why the music for this episode has changed. I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. It's a bit of a tribute to Carl. And I've even gone back and changed the other Geomologist episodes to reflect, I think, his own personal music tastes a little bit closer.
1: Hey, Colin. I wanted again to thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview on your show. And I thought it was very cool with the music discussion. Um, That was pretty... Pretty good. (laughs) I, you know, the progression of uh, heavy metal in the '80s to the early '90s, and then what metal and gaming means to me—it's kind of a neat thing to hear about and to reflect upon, and to remind myself uh, what it all means, right? So, thank you again for that. And uh, cool. I'm now on to continue listening. I guess it's time for talking about all the games in Twilight 2000
0: and that as they say is a wrap big thanks goes out to you the listener for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old Spike Pit take care and I'll catch you later